This is the Sound of Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does. He scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. Sets up Molino, back to Boldy, shoots, and scores! The BC Kid returns home and scores his first. Goes to work for the Wild, centers one, Erickson Eck with a shot, he scores! Jewel Erickson Eck, he's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. Wednesday, March 9th, Brett Marshall joined alongside, as always, by my pals Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. The moods are a little brighter than they were Saturday. Uh, the Wild did come out with a win last night. We'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. Um, some fun hockey, some tournament is happening this weekend, too, that I guess we'll maybe talk a little bit about as well. <laughs> but before all that, as we always do, let's check in on how everyone is doing. Zeke, your alumni, the Maple Grove Crimson, are headed for the state tournament. They play tomorrow. How you feeling um, for Maple Grove? And then just aside from that in general. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I think this is their third year in a row in the state tournament now. Uh, you know, it's been solid for pretty much the last five years now they just never uh had a lot of guys leave i mean you think like brock faber right away guys like him had all left after one or two years so they never really you know gotten over the hump but obviously you know playing edina it's always a tough game but uh the good thing about you know that should be a good game and i, I think that every and, chance to win and, and the yeah, entire state much... will be rooting with them and not against them so. yeah yes <laughs> that's, it's everyone that's against edina. Thing, so yes that is <laughs> That is definitely true, but yeah. No, other than that, I'm um, doing good. Just uh, just been hanging out, obviously, today, not doing too much, and uh, just uh, really looking forward to obviously, you know, like we talked before the show. Just next three days, just you know, sitting around, hanging out, dad, my uncle, watching hockey, eating a bunch of good food. So uh, it's going to be a blast. Heck yeah, great time of year as we talked about on Saturday. Justin, we know things are always busy in the Baki household. How are things going on this Wednesday? Yeah, things are well. Uh, of course. Excellent mood with the the win against the Rangers, but uh, you know even more so with the state tournament going on. It's kind of my my, my kids' first experience with it. I mean, they were so young before that I don't think they probably would remember it. They're starting to get to the ages where they'll where they'll remember it. So the off day was spent watching the games, of course, and playing a little bit of mini sticks. And we ended up outside and shooting balls at his net outside too. So it's kind of just been one thing to the next. Hockey all the time. It seems like 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that's super cool that they kind of get to have that experience here. For sure, Miko here for mm-hmm. kind of the first time. And right. Create all those state tournament memories. Um, before we kind of jumped on air here, we were all just kind of reminiscing on just what it was like to play youth hockey and to kind of go to your first state tournaments and section championships and just the memories. Even not, I mean, not, I played in some section games, but, I, you know, <clears throat> My memories aren't too fond of getting, you know, thrumped by Duluth East my sophomore year, 15 to right. zero, and we only had 13 <laughs> shots on goal. So, yeah. um, or you know, losing on a BS call to Andover in my junior year, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna reminisce on all that. But I think, like my my point is, I think my <laughs> memories are, you know, even better from watching, you know, teams that weren't even yeah. my own, um, play and in games and being part of random student sections cheering against St. Thomas yeah. or Edina, whoever it would be. So <laughs> cool that they're going to get a chance to finally kind of dip their toes and, and experience that in the way so many of us uh, Minnesota hockey fans have had the pleasure to do as well. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool to see, I don't know, schools like Minneapolis and, and Prior Lake finally get that chance to do something. Yeah. Always fun to see some new teams in there in the mix and, um, you know, Aside from, you know, the usuals that we see just every year, you know, there seems to be a couple different teams there. I know St. Michael, um, my alma mater, went for the first time um, as a double-A mm-hmm. school uh, probably been like three or four years ago now. It just it means so much to those towns yeah. when you finally make your way yeah. back there. And, um, you know, the kids getting to play on the X-Ice, I mean, that's that's a once-in-a-lifetime yeah. experience oh, yeah. for a lot of those kids. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we'll talk a little bit more about the tourney here in a minute, but we want to keep with our usual schedule of events as we do here on Sound of Foghorn. So we're going to kick it back to Justin uh, for a prospect update. You know, only a couple days since we last talked, but, um, you know, there's probably one prospect in particular we can revisit as news on him is heated up a little bit, and then I'm sure there's a little bit of news on a few others as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, not a whole lot going on because we've only been, what, three, four days since our last show, but... uh... (laughs) couple things uh Jesper Wallstead was back in Lolia's uh, lineup he was the backup but it's awesome to see him on the lineup card considering they weren't sure how serious his injury was so um hopefully he'll get some more starts here coming up because I think their playoffs are coming up pretty soon too so he'll probably be a big piece to that if his team makes it I'm not sure how they're on the standings but yeah one thing I'm really curious to see is I don't know if, I don't know if we touched on this at all since they made the announcement but the world juniors will be coming back um, oh, yeah. I believe oh, it's in yeah. like June or August, mm-hmm. um, somewhere in there. Like, and I'm curious, you know, some of those prospects, you know, notably like a Jesper Walset, who the Wild could be eyeing to sign to like an ELC. Yeah. It's, you know, this guy is he, you know, is there a shot of him being the backup next year? Do they let him play or not? Like, I'm just kind of curious to see, you know, with mm-hmm. the timeline of where that could fall, do they risk an injury? Um, I think Walset's of, of the only one I'd probably be in question. I mean, perhaps a Hunt. Or a, Lam- um, or a Lambos yeah. or an O'Rourke as well. But um be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out. But nonetheless, it will be cool that we do get to see that tournament yeah, well, still. Another um, thing I kind of wonder before. is who's Nadinov with Team Russia? Kind of like, seems like Russia's getting saying, like getting excluded from a lot of things. You kind of wonder if, if that'll happen. I mean, it's not really fair to the players, but I mean, I certainly get what they're trying to mm-hmm. do, not getting too deep into it, but just another mm-hmm. player to kind of consider. Yeah, and it's um, like, well, it seemed like a good time to move him as well. Yeah, yeah. like maybe you could move off him, but I think at the same time you have like, well, who wants him with the climate? Like, is he going right. to be able to come over? Because um, yeah. the NHL, for those that didn't hear, also just terminated basically their relationship with the KHL, yeah. um, which affects, from my understanding from the Frank Saravalli article um, on Daily Faceoff, was that it affects more like the ability to sign KHL free agents. 
um, mm-hmm. like rookies and players that are like under team control, as long as they have a North American agent, it sounds like those relationships won't be harmed. So I think in the Wilds case, I believe both Kuznodinov and Guskov are both with North American agents. I could be wrong on that, um, but I don't think that will affect those two for now. Anyway, right. well, something to look into. Yeah, uh, hopefully not. But speaking of Kuznodinov, he, he ended up scoring his first uh, KHL playoff goal. Uh, his team swept for nothing. He got three points in the series. Pretty cool to see because, you know, kind of in and out of the lineup this year, getting top line all the way to fourth line, scratched and making a good impact in the playoffs. So pretty cool to see. And then <clears throat> Iowa lost today, three to two. Like a weird, not much random Wednesday yeah. day game for some reason. It was like ten thirty a.m. It was yeah. really weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not much to say about that. I mean, a couple guys like Hovanov, Beckman, I think, picked up assists. Kind of cool to see Halbenov get on the score sheet. And then as we speak, New Hampshire and Boston College are in overtime. Uh, I believe this is for the Big East tournament, I think. Would make sense. Um, but anyways, if, if Boston College loses, I think their season's over. Uh, McBain has an, a, goal, a goal and an assist, which we all know kind of where that's heading. Yep. Raise that trade value, baby. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, – <laughs> Nikita Nesterenko has a goal, and Marshall Warren has an assist in that game. So I believe on the McBain goal, if I do recall. Yeah. Yep, Warren is on the McBain goal. Yep. So. And then, uh, yeah, that, that's it for now. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about Jack McBain. I know we kind of touched on this briefly on Saturday, but you know, since then I think the, the certainty of Justin, you bringing up that it seems likely he'll be traded has kind of been confirmed by Russo. He wrote in his article that it sounds like Garen's given his agent – the permission to talk to teams and figure out, okay, you know, is this somewhere you'd want to sign? Because obviously if he's, you know, if he's going to walk away from the wild, he could just easily walk away from other teams. So finding somewhere um, for him to sign. um, It sounds like the initial asking price is a second round pick, um, which to me is awesome. We talked on the show on Saturday how we thought, hey, if they could recoup the third that they used on, that'd be great. Um, Zeke, I think we even started like kicking around like it'd be cool if they got like a fifth or something for him. But yeah, um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, Byron Bader, who does really great prospect coverage, was showing like, yeah, um, any team who's paying a second rounder for McBain might be making a mistake because um, based on his prospect projection model, it's like he doesn't project as like could be like a fringe type, like a Jimmy VC situation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, so Bill Guerin's cashing in here. Yeah. Um, no, and no disrespect <laughs> to Jack McBain. No. Um, as we discussed, we think it could be kind of a, a useful bottom six guy, but to get a, you know, basically, you know, look at it this way is you're going to get a, you know, a a second round pick for basically Victor Rask or a Freddie Goudreau, essentially, right? Yeah. Like yeah. a, a yeah. T- type of player, right, whose ceiling isn't really there. But um, we'll see what Billy does. And if he continues to produce and score and get on the highlight reels and advance the mm-hmm. deadline, hopefully, you know, BC can pull out a win. He can flash his skills a little bit more and maybe drive that up to a first or something. I mean, he's 6'3". That, I think that's right, the yeah. first in itself. Yeah, we'll, we'll bump it up 6'4". I think that adds value. Yep. <laughs> yeah, 6'4". <that's laughs> yeah. I mean, may not be done growing. I, mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like you said on Twitter, Brett, uh, the bigger the size, the more half of the GMs in the NHL will think the guy is the next coming of, you know, Connor McDavid or something out there. Yeah, it's but... too bad Jim Benning's not in Vancouver anymore because it just seems like the oh, guy he would pounce on. He loves the big guys. He was yeah. the first. I know. I mean, I think, I think though, the key point is that, you know, they've read from Russo and uh, from Jeff Merrick, those guys, there's like up to two dozen teams who mm-hmm. have called and are interested. So, you know, you might think logically you wouldn't necessarily get a second, but 
Bidding war, got, let's go. Yeah, if you throw twenty <laughs> of them and say, "Hey, you can sign him if you if you want him. If you want to trade from, you have to get this, and you can sign him without, you know, waiting till free agency where you know you could lose out on him." So, hey, yeah, I mean, like we said last week, like you just mentioned, Brett. Uh, really, if they just get anything for, you know, it sucks to lose him. Just get if you just get to get something for lost ass. So you never want to lose a, a player for nothing, really. Yeah, is the key there. Yeah, and like you said. A lot of people are like, why? Why would they give up a second when they can sign him from, mm-hmm. you know, when he goes to free agency? But if there's twenty four, possibly twenty four teams mm-hmm. that are interested, who knows if they'll get it? You know, the right team wants them. They'll they'll give the pick up. And, and another good thing I see coming out of this, if we do end up with the second round pick and we end up not getting Philip Johansson to that bona fide contract offer yeah. or whatever, whatnot, we'll have three second round picks to play with in the the coming draft, which. You know, can you could use it in trades or moving up or whatnot. Or are you, just you know, restock the pool like crazy with right, Judd Brackett. So. Or you hit on some guys in there too that, you know, give you, a, you know, a chance to move other prospects to, you know, add add elsewhere too. So mm-hmm. um, certainly a, a good situation to be in. And then just to analyze this from one more angle, from the McBain perspective, um, I think essentially his – I don't think it's no ill will toward the wild per se. I think it's kind of similar to what Philip Lindbergh saw in terms of just a roadblock to where he gets to play. Right. So, you yeah, know, mm-hmm. Philip Lindbergh last year kind of sees, Hey, you know, Capo Kakinen's there. Hunter Jones is there. Um, you know, they have Derek Barable and these other goalies. Like where, where do I fit in different things like that? And I think McBain seeing this their situation, this is a guy that wants to play in the NHL. And if you look at it right now, I mean, Connor Duar just got scratched last night. Um, you know, you have Victor Rask playing in the AHL. Um, and if he wants to play this season, like right now, there just simply isn't a spot for him. Um, it sounds like mm-hmm. the Wilder wanted to give him that shot, but I, I think he's a guy that wants to, you know, he wants to get a shot on a, you know, even a third line, and maybe he wants to be on special teams. And I just, I'm not sure that opportunity would have been there for Minnesota. And it, that kind of sounds like what he was thinking, which is kind of the reason I think he wants to to see what else is out there and go to a different teams. So again, it's nothing against the Wilder Garen. It's just he wants an opportunity to play. And I don't think you can blame the player for that, right? Yeah, like, no. you, you're skilled, you want to yeah. play, you should probably get a play. Right. So hopefully yeah. you can kind of work out something that uh, yeah. ends up in the best of both worlds here. Right. For sure. I agree. Excellent. So let's, um for once, talk about something a little bit different um, than Minnesota Wild Hockey or mm-hmm. even Whitecaps Hockey. Let's talk some uh, high school puck here. The state tournament kicked off today. Um, Class A games, uh, Matamidi and I believe Warroad. One in their AM sessions. Yeah. Um, yes. Hermantown just took down New Prague um, in the first meeting sessions. And then um, who's playing now? It's Alexandria. Alexandria and Minneapolis. Alexandria Minneapolis. just scored to go up one nothing. So There you go. And then uh, Class AA will kick off tomorrow. So I guess what's kind of – I know you guys tend to keep a pulse a little bit better on high school hockey probably than I used to. Zeke, probably you more so than you know outside the Duluth schools or the prospects coming to UMD. Um, on Justin's end. So I'll let you guys talk about just, you know, um, it seems like there was some interesting seedings and different things, but just kind of your guys' thoughts on, on the tournaments and maybe some of the games so far or games you're you're looking forward to watching. Well, I think so far it's gone as expected. You mm-hmm. see Warroad and Hermantown just kind of destroy the teams they played. I mean, Hermantown went up 4 nothing early. New Prague played pretty well tight after that. But, you know, those two teams are 1-2. and two. They ended up meeting in the regular season. I think Hermantown took them down in overtime, so yep. 
Hermantown does not have a loss to a Class A team this year. And no. Through their section, thirty to zero on the scoreboard. Like, right. So. Give me a break. Mm. I'm personally a Hermantown guy. I, I see those arguments though. <laughs> but, hey, I got family up there, and a cousin that could possibly end up on the girls' team. So, <laughs> I got plus it's the UMD pipeline, man. It's, <laughs> we got no, that. It's very true. Yeah, <laughs> except, except for Sandlin, we uh we yeah. sniped him out of there down to Mankato. Right. So, <laughs> uh, Ty Hansen and Zam Plant for uh, Hermantown or UMD and Jason Chaga Bay for uh, War Road. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're all playing well, obviously. But uh, yeah, the Mata Mita game was what was that was a pretty. Yeah, it wasn't really all like a like the scoreboard yeah. wasn't a blowout, but um, I had that one on today, kind of while I was working, just in the background, and kind mm-hmm. of every time I looked over, it yeah. just kind of seemed like it was a game where I kind of controlled it, start right. to finish, like they were like, again, they wouldn't didn't run up the score, but they had the puck on their yeah. stick, and I think they probably outshot them. I don't know the shots, but I'm assuming from what I watched, it seemed like they just they mm-hmm. just kind of generally outplayed Mankato East, but Mankato yeah. East definitely wins the uh, the all hair facial hair competition. Yeah, I think for Class Holy A crap. by a landslide, <laughs> just some absolute Jesus. dirty muzzies. There's one guy that has, I think, a beard that has more hair than my entire body, um, which is a whatever. I don't even know I if know. he's a senior, junior, but that's massively impressive for a high school. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the that's almost the. I mean, obviously, that's the big deal. That's almost the best part of it is uh, watching the them skate up before and a lot. There was a the Hermantown game just before. A couple of them were like, you know, like wink into the camera. Or, you know, you gotta swoosh your hair around funny way. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty cool how that. Did anyone bleach this year? I know, like into. that was the thing. A lot of teams do is they uh, bleach their hair quite a like, bit. Seems like me. Uh, no, I don't know. It doesn't. No. Can't really tell. I don't. I don't think so so far. But you know, I'm sure there's yeah. been some of them. But yeah, and no, I think the from the hockey wise, I mean, you know, the the, the Wednesday every year, obviously, you know, like Justin said, it's basically usually how it goes is uh, in the single A is basically uh, you know, whatever team is seated or our team is higher has the puck the whole time and the other team never touches the puck in the offensive zone and i mean i think you saw it today i mean Hermantown, you see only five to one you think okay it was somewhat close but you know as uh as you guys are just talking about uh that was uh you know they, they basically controlled that entire game to no surprise and you know i think the, the most interesting obviously i think uh you know i mean everyone expects it to be Hermantown world one two in the final I think, you know, Matamida, who won the state championship two or three years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, just before the pandemic started, they have their uh, their goal at the senior. I think his name's Ben Dardis, if I remember correctly. He's been yep. a four-year starter there every time. And he that term, that championship game against Hermantown, they were outshot like 43-9 to nine or something. And he basically stole that, that game for them that year. And he's obviously, uh, you know, if you have a great goalie, as everyone, every hockey fan knows, at any level you can, you know, that allows you High school especially. beat anyone. Yeah, yeah right. especially with uh, younger teenage kids like that. But, yeah. but you know, so I, I remember, they... was it, was it, I think it was my senior year of high school. We were in the mm-hmm. Schwann's Cup, um, which is like a Christmas okay. tournament um, down at the Super Rink. And we played mm-hmm. Laverne in the first game. And we lost, I believe it was 2-1 to one in a shootout. Pretty sure mm-hmm. we outshot him like 65-9. to nine. <laughs> And I think seven of their nine Damn. shots, uh, my best friend did stats for us. He couldn't play due to uh, concussions. Um, and I think seven of their nine shots came from above the tops of the circles or outside of Oof. our defensive side. <laughs> we just couldn't beat the freaking goalie, man. 
I think. I mean, I think we had our fair share of posts on top of it too. Right. It was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. I guess no, anything uh, can happen this time of year too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, I think the double A term is even more interesting. I mean, they, they were saying on the broadcast like like five times. We kind of got a little bit redundant, and we, you know, I'm kind of just copying here. But I think you know, I'm not a huge expert. Like aside, you know, I don't know exactly you know lines and players and all this, but from what everyone else has been talking about. And I think, I think like seven of the eight teams, in the double a field are, were ranked in the top 10 at the end of the year. So it's kind of a, you know, obviously you would expect, you know, a Hill Murray or somebody like that to be favorite to win it all. But it really does seem like pretty much anyone has a chance where, you know, all, all four of the games tomorrow should be, you know, at least interesting to watch. It should be close. It should be fun. And I mean, not, you know, like you said, I have a C Dina in there. They're always C Dina. They're always good. Um, you know, like people mentioned, uh, Prior Lake, you know, like you know, Justin said earlier, they've gotten the turn first time, uh, and they have one of the best players in the state on their team this year. And then obviously, uh, you know, thing off the top of my head, Moorhead, I think is ranked for land over five and, uh, Creighton Durham Hall is back in turn the first time in a while as the number two seed. So I think, uh, I mean, usually that seems obviously gets the more attention just because the bigger schools, but I think, mm-hmm. uh, this year that. You know, it, it should be really fun, you know, three days because, like, I mean, like I just said, the, all the games should be close. Like, it's hard to see any one of those games really get to the point of, you know, a blowout where you can confidently say who's going to win. Okay. It's great because, right. you know, not a lot. Is, is there a private school in the AA tournament this year? I don't think uh, there is. Is Hill Murray a public no, school? Hill Murray is private. They're the ones. Okay. So we have, if yeah, you, I think you know, that's it. Six of the eight teams are not Hill Murray or Dinah. So, um, I mean, we did see how that worked out with um, Minnesota teams in the college hockey tournament last year. But, um, you <laughs> know, good. I like our six six out of eight chance to not be Dinah or Hill Murray. I like those chances. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like those chances right. a lot. Zeke, make yeah. it real quick. Just have Maple Grove do it first, and we'll get <laughs> Dinah out of the way right off the hop. Yeah, no, that'd be. <laughs> that's hope we would want, but uh, I will say the only thing I was uh, irritated about that they got the one o'clock game, is selfishly because then you can I can't uh, bolt out halfway through to try to run over to get a table at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Packed, so, but hey, who cares? It's uh, I, I want a good game. So that's all. That's all I care about is I want to be entertained. So and it should be. Yeah, it's always always a great time of year. Um, as we talk kind of off the hop of the show, just the memories sure. you make from the state tournament games. I mean, I think there's there's so many. I mean, you look back. Um, was, it, was it Kyle Rao for Eden Prairie that like in one of the most like fun state championship games? You know, where Eden yeah. Prairie wins mm-hmm. it, and um, you know, next year I think I think he would be went to the Gophers, I believe, following that year, and just like just games like that, or um, you know, it was um, there was there was a player for Benilde one year that had like a five goal. Think state oh, yeah, Grant Bessie, yes. Yep, yep. <clears throat> Whatever happened to that guy? Uh, he's he was at Wisconsin. He's he's been a pretty good ECHL player for real career. So, yeah, and I think he plays in Germany too. So, hey, if you get paid to play hockey, it's yeah, it's, doing it's a win. Fairly so. good. So. And it, yeah. it, I mean, it just goes to show too. I mean, when you look at you know, you watch some of these kids in the state tournament, you're like, wow, that guy's real freaking good. And mm-hmm. you know, some of them hardly even ever sniff. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Some barely sniff Division One college. Others, you know, like you said, you know, become a really good European or ECHL player, and it just it gives such an appreciation for how really good yeah. these NHL players are. I mean, it's easy for us that they're you know 
critique the Victor Rass of the world, but if we we're on the same ice with that guy, we'd probably be getting our jock straps dropped at every turn oh, and goalies no be getting sniped left and right. So I think that's always the thing to remember is even yeah. no matter how bad these guys are, they are so far and away better than anything we can probably imagine. Yeah. Um, I know, but it's absolutely you know, true. Talking about uh, memories a little bit. I'm obviously a little bit older than you guys. And man, I fell in love with hockey because of high school hockey when I was obviously I grew up in Duluth played through Lester Park system and I knew as a kid I was gonna be playing through the Duluth system unless we moved and watching Dave Spihar was insane that guy was so good and he you know ended up going to the golfers which <laughs> caused a little controversy amongst <laughs> Duluth people because they wanted to play for the Bulldogs but score like nine goals every tournament and just hat tricks left and right and uh, man, I remember we played a semifinal game against Apple Valley. We ended up scoring to win, but there was no instant replay, so it was a no goal. <laughs> then Apple Valley ended up winning. I ended up crying. I was so young, but <laughs> just some of the best memories are just high school hockey and watching that tournament as a kid. Zeke, do you have a favorite uh, state tourney memory? I mean, you know, one in particular, obviously, when Maple Grove was in the first time, that was pretty cool. I think. Honestly, but you mentioned, uh, it's not really sure, but I think, you know, you mentioned guys who, you know, you see playing there going to become pros and all that. I mean, obviously, recently years, you know, seeing guys like Casey Middlestat play there, you know, who he really stood out. And I remember yep. Lakeville South teams uh, or Lakeville North teams with uh, with Paling Brothers on it and Jake Ottinger yep. in that. I remember they uh, there was a game against Eden Prairie I was at where they were down 4-2 in the third and they scored in overtime. We were sitting right in the section. There's they're kind of yeah, was that know, the year they went undefeated the, uh, that was the year before they lost year before. i okay. think they lost to be diamond that the next night but it was uh it's just games like that where it's you know just really loud you know just whenever you know you don't need it's i don't know it's it's not you know at its pocket it's purest form on the outdoor rink but you know it's it's pretty close to that where it's not the you know it's not really a business yet there's not loads of money involved going there it's just you know you're playing because playing full of the game as they like to say and then, i don't know it's just uh like i said it's just it's just really fun to watch uh every year because you know like, like i said i don't know it's just those kind of those kind of games where you just see that genuine love for the game on the ice and just uh, how happy the players are and even just the fans too it's uh, it's great it's awesome yeah i mean you, i mean you talk about you know you talk about you know just just big sports in big states, you know, Texas football mm -hmm. and Indiana basketball. Yeah. And you can't talk about Minnesota without hockey. I mean, so much of the root of the state of hockey is based around, you know, the players it produces, but that all starts, mm -hmm. you know, we can talk about the college teams and all the NHL players, but it all starts with these guys, you know, paying their dues through youth hockey, through high school hockey, you know, through mm -hmm. state championship legacies. And this is where it all happens. And I think, you know, Justin and I were talking about this before we jumped on the air, just like, you just get so connected to these games, even if you don't have a rooting interest half the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, we joked on the show, but, you know, cheering against a diner, cheering against the private schools, <laughs> the public school, and the Northern schools uniting and all cheering for one another um, when they're rivals throughout the year, right? So just, you know, j just little nuances like that. There was one year my friends and I sat in the Thief River Falls student section um, during high school and, like, got to meet their mayor and just learn about, you know, how much hockey means to towns and for teams like that to go to state tournaments and different things. It's just, it's such a cool experience. And you have, of course, the things like the hockey expo, 
um, where you can score on the yeah. different booths and collect your mm-hmm. knee hockey sticks and gear. Um, <laughs> I think our friends, the Buttes, um, have a have a booth there this year. They'll have some guests, so be sure to check out their Twitter feed and, and take a peek at that and support your local Minnesota Wild podcasts and, um, if you're going to be down there as well. But just, just such a cool experience, and I would assume most people that are listening to this show are Minnesota hockey fans and have you know, hopefully taken an attorney game. Um, but if you haven't or you're not from Minnesota and you listen, if – if you some if you somehow manage to make it down here during the tourney time, you gotta go and just experience. It's just it, it's a, a hockey atmosphere unlike any other. It's you can't compare it to a college game or a pro game. It's just it's so different with the energy the the high school kids bring and you know the the crazy parents and everything and everyone else that that's in the stands. So truly great time of year. All right, well that's the tourney. Um, we hope everyone enjoys that and uh, hopefully you know whatever team you may be rooting for. Um, is able to uh, to bring it home. So we're, we're going to move on here through our show. Um, we'll go into our game recaps next. Um, we'll start with the bad and work our way to the good. So the bad comes Sunday, um, an early evening game against division rival Dallas Stars, a crucial game with the Stars kind of creeping right in on Minnesota in the standings. We talked about, you know, how that game could, you know, either narrow the gap further, widen it a little bit. Um, and Capo Kakinen decided to just shit in all of our faces after we <laughs> talked him up and said this guy needs to be the starter and just has mm-hmm. arguably one of the worst goaltending performances by a wild goalie this year, um, surrendering four goals in um, three of which I think you could probably directly pin um, on him, and ultimately the Wild had a little bit of a fight late, got the game back up within one goal, and um, couldn't bring it home in the end, just a little too little too late. Yeah, that that was uh, a pretty frustrating game where you you, you go up, you you give up a, a goal on a power play, controversial lose, lose one challenge. Yep, lose a challenge. Go into the second period, they score right away, and just yeah. things never really get better from there. So, so to back up, um, real quick, what was your guys' thoughts first on? I mean, I guess they kind of go hand in hand. Do you think it was a good challenge? Do you think that they got the call right, or do you think it should have been goal interference? Um, on that play, I personally thought it was a bad challenge. I, I felt like Sagan was pushed kind of into the net. Um, I mean, you never really know how they're going to go on those calls because sometimes they, they, they just do spin a wheel. They don't know either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. I honestly felt like he was kind of ran in by our player. Mm-hmm. Zeke, do you concur? Yeah, I think I pretty much agree. I mean, at the, at the time, I was you know. I think it was, you know, I changed my mind at first because, yeah, I remember I was seeing people on Twitter. Obviously, I was at the game, so I didn't really see the replay very much. But I've seen a lot of people were like, you know, his escape made contact first and all this. But at the same time, you know, you watch it again when I got home. And it was, I don't know, it just seemed very much kind of like a panicky move by the coaching staff. And I know he explained that, you know, when Felino got ran to the goalie the other night and got a penalty for being pushed into the goalie that, you know, that played into his mind. But then he, he basically admitted that, you know, hey, it's not the same thing when it comes to, you know, for a goal or for or just for a penalty in that way. So, yeah, no, I think I think you definitely they made the right call. I mean, you know, like you guys just said, you never know what the NHL is going to call. So you, you can kind of see from if it's close, you might as well just challenge it. But then, you know, obviously at the same time with the way the Wilds penalty kill has been and the way they've play, been playing when, you know, everything's gone wrong. I mean, you know, they, they played great the first 18 minutes of that period and then, you know, I, I said it to my uncle, but after they tied that goal, it was just like you just knew that you know that that game was going to go downhill from there. And uh, but I mean, I think you know, I think they definitely did make the, the right call. I think it was like I said, I think it was just a bit of a maybe a bit of a 
panic or desperation move by Everson there because uh, you know they that's you know. Yeah. See, and and I still disagree with the call. Um, I mean, partially because I still don't know that I fully understand what the fuck um, goaltender interference is anymore. Because every time I think, I'm like, this has to be goal interference. It's not, or vice mm-hmm. versa. But to me, Sagan initiated mm-hmm. the contact with Kakinen when his skate hit. I'm not disputing that f- after that contact was made, Freddie completely pushed him in. But I think yeah. Kakinen, when the skate hit, I think he was knocked enough off balance where at that point, or regardless of what happened after that, if you know, even if Freddie hadn't pushed him, in, I think that might have been enough contact where if they would have scored there, it wouldn't have counted. But what do I know? I'm not the ref. I didn't read the explanation. <laughs> they said it was Freddie, but Freddie didn't initiate the contact with Kakinen. So I don't know when that gray area of when the contact starts or how much contact needs to be made. I just don't know. Um, there was someone at the Athletic that wrote an article about it last year, and they said if there's a player makes contact with the goalie in the crease, more often than not, it's called goal interference. I'm like, oh, that was just a player contacting mm-hmm. the goalie in the crease, but apparently not. So who knows anymore? Um, yes. And then, of course, that spirals, as you mentioned, with the goaler in the second um, from that penalty that the Wild got for um, losing the challenge. Um, it happens after Capo Kakinen takes a John Klingberg wrist shot from the blue line, um, hits it Ouch. straight in the chest, and then fails to corral it, drops right at his uh, knees. And uh, I think it was on that one, I believe it was Jason Robertson put in the first of his three that game. Um, has a similar goal, led in shortly afterwards, a point shot, drops the rebound, um, buried in, and then um, gets beat again by Robertson under the arm um, through the 11 hole, as it's been dubbed. Um, they say in the broadcast he was screened, but I don't think it was enough of a screen. And when it goes under your arm, it's usually one you should have had. Um, it, and it just felt like, you know, the wild played a pretty good game. We're battling back and Kakinen just kind of dropped the ball or the puck, I guess, in this situation, <laughs> um, which, which just kind of led to the demise, which is a shame to see because it seemed like they played a much better game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Well, and we kind of, oh, sorry, Zeke. No, it's we kind of talked about it last episode where special teams makes a difference. I mean, goaltending too. I mean, they go two for three on the power play. We go over four. There's the advantage right there to begin with. And, you know, even if we play in even five on five, like we mentioned before, it's you're already behind the eight ball with, with those power play goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because obviously, you know, lately it's the goaltending has been bad, but, you know, like we talked about last week, they haven't necessarily defended or obviously killed penalties well. But, you know, like Brett mentioned, you just, you got to, you know, like we said last week, you got to make a big save or two just even once or twice a game. And I mean, you got to, like, like you said, you got to catch those pucks. You can't just let them bounce right into the right into the slot right right at the top of the crease there where it's just you know easy pickings easy goals mm-hmm. and i think you know like you said that third goal i remember brett i remember seeing or the fourth goal people going with the you know hey he was screened and all that but i mean as you said it was pretty far out i mean you got a piece of a chunk of it you know just you know it's just it's just easy, very stoppable puck and yeah i don't know it was it wasn't good because uh, i mean i remember even after they went down three to one they had a good three, four shifts in the roll where I think Eck uh, hit the post uh, and Zuckrell and Kaprizov almost connected a couple times. So, you know, at that point, before when it was 3-1, to one, they hadn't really, you know, even when it did get to 4-1, they weren't really out of the game. Like, they mm-hmm. weren't completely like, just sulking around there not doing anything. But, you know, obviously, I mean, you, you know, I mean, three is only one more than two, but it just feels like, you know, that 
three just seems, you know, with the way this team isn't playing, even even two seems like a lot. But once you got to three, it was just like, well, how, you know, how are they going to do this again? And it, yeah, no, it, it it just weren't it wasn't a good performance by him. Obviously, I don't, you know, obviously not what he would have wanted. And I mean, kind of contrary to how he's played for most of the year. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, but it, it was it, yeah, like you said, it's just too bad because they did first period and you know for good chunks of the rest of the game they were actually you know pretty good at times the better team uh fortunately against but they just fortunately lost against a divisional opponent like that yep yeah i believe if i recall too they you know if you threw out um all the expected goals that um dallas got from the empty net misses and the eventual empty netters i mean those accounted for like i think it was something over almost like four expected goals in the game i think like the wild would <laughs> like if you threw those out i think it was something like a 54 57 percent of the expected goals throughout the game um and just just killer too um but the good news is is they did rebound um last night against the new york rangers in in my mind, I mean, third period, they turtled a little bit defending the lead, but it seemed like it was the first time, in my opinion, since the, the Carolina home game um, earlier in February where they really played a full 60-minute game. Um, the Grief Squad looked like the Grief Squad. Welcome mm-hmm. back, Jordan Greenway. I don't know. I mean, it. and Greenway, like himself, had a good game, but that line just – that that energy was back there. I mean, Marcus Foligno played the best game he's played in a really long time. I mean, he was flying all over the ice. He was hitting – Obviously, he has the goal um, and the two assists as well for the three-point night. But, I mean, he was firing up the crowd. He was throwing his weight around. That line felt like it was in the offensive zone like the whole game. Um, it seems like the Kaprizov, Sukarla, Hartman line did a much better job of not overpassing. You know, you saw Hartman score, you know, after the one drop. You know, it was one drop pass. It was a shot. Um, the power play, obviously the one mishap leads to a shorthanded goal. And they come right back, and they finally score a goal. Um, they don't take any penalties. Cam Talbot. Only gave up two goals on 2.01 expected goals. He was average, and the team won. Like, all the things that they had been doing wrong, it just seemed they won. I think they were 50% in the dot. Like, everything just kind of came back. Like, it just it felt like that game that hopefully it can kind of set things right. It kind of built confidence in every area. Mm-hmm. Even if everything wasn't perfect, it just felt like they finally kind of brought everything together for that full effort. Um, and it was helpful, too. I think, like we mentioned, um, the first time they've had you know, all 20 skaters, Boldy included. Um, we know what happened prior to Boldy, but since Boldy's been on the team that they've had a full roster rolled out for a game. Yeah, and, I mean, once we gave up that shorthanded goal to tie the game, I was kind of like, well, let's see let's see how we rebound because it, it could go one of two ways. And and to score that power play goal right away, Fiala's goal, that was just huge. Yeah, and you could tell, too, I mean, the way him and Boldy celebrate, like, you could tell, yeah. like, they knew <laughs> how much that goal meant um, for that team at yeah. the time. Yep, and then they never really looked back from there. Kaprizov mm-hmm. looked like a madman last night; like he just wanted to get the team out of a slump on his yeah, own, almost. Fine. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, to win, Talbot made a bunch of huge saves, like you mentioned. Win special teams battle minus the shorthanded goal, kind of did everything that we weren't doing during the the slump yeah. we've had, and and just getting that adversity back to to you know after giving up a, a two goal lead to, to just put the pedal to the metal and end finish it off right for us yeah i think you know i think like you, know, you, you just mentioned just the key there when it was two to two i mean to be you know like the last few games obviously like you said it would have been a you know here's what everything's gonna fall apart they're gonna yep. fall behind they're gonna take mm-hmm. a bunch of penalties whatever but 
I, to be honest, like I never, I didn't really feel as much that way that game, just because you know they had come out pretty much, you know, dominated the first period, you know, they, they looked confident. I mean, you know, debatable whether or not Matt Sokarol was actually hooked down, but I think at the same time it was. Do you guys you know, think he was? It was tough to tell in the arena. The replays I've close. seen, I still feel like like it was borderline, it was but I feel like it was enough, like because you could see him it spun him right. And to me, that's yeah, where, like, to me, bit. that's when it becomes a hook is when it turns his body enough to spin him, then it's a hook. But it was so yeah. close, and watching it full speed when it first happened, I was like, oh, man, Zuccarello just got worked there. Like, he just got a stick lifted. And so, like, that's what I saw. And then that play was right in front of where we were sitting on the glass pretty much. Oh, okay. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, the officials probably see something similar. Um, but after seeing the replay, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that was probably a hook. I heard the Rangers broadcast even on a highlight today um, said he hooked his stick, which he called it hook two on the Rangers broadcast. <laughs> so it even sounds like they're aware they may have got away with it. So yeah. Um, from your guys' perspective, did you think it was a hook? I'd well, have to see it again when I – sorry to interrupt you, Enzi. No, no it's okay. Um, That's cool. That's cool. I thought he just faked himself out trying to fake Zibanejad out. Mm-hmm. But That's kind of looked like in full speed too. Yeah. That's what I, I, I didn't see the replay, so I'd have to see a replay to fully – analyze that i guess but I, originally i thought it was just zuccarello outdoing himself trying to fake him out but I, I guess he got hooked a little bit zeke yeah i mean i don't know i think i think part of this is contextual like if they had ended up losing that game like three to two or something you know mm-hmm. maybe i'd have a different opinion and have been pissed off then but you know i mean I th- like you said it was it was close enough sometimes they might call it sometimes they may not it just you know just depends on circumstances whatever happens but yeah, I mean, I think it was fine. I mean, like I said, it was a tying goal. It sucked. A bit of a, a bit of a bad break in a way. Also, a great play by Zbeniszad, obviously, to yeah, get the puck definitely. and go on and score. So, you know, that like I said, that was just the good thing is that they didn't, uh, they didn't like like I mean, like just mentioned, they scored. You know, a minute afterwards, and you know, obviously didn't look back, and it didn't seem like, you know, they went, you know, didn't have that attitude of oh, you know, not necessarily a woo is me thing, but oh look here we go again. We can't get all these yep. breaks, and they just uh, went right back to just working hard and not to, you know, not being, not having that, you know, not worrying that oh here we go again. We're gonna collapse again. They just uh, went back to right how they had played the first period. I also want to give props to their faceoffs too because it sounds like they got <laughs> their asses whooped in practice with with uh, <laughs> regarding faceoffs, and mm-hmm. it certainly paid off that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of rolled my eyes when I read that. I'm like, great, so we're. Working on our face of like, how are we working yeah. on our penalty kill? Or is our power play like, are our goalies just taking slap shots from everywhere and making sure they can corral rebounds and, you know, make mm-hmm. easy saves? But um, I was glad to see everything kind of come together. And yeah, I think you guys had the, like the key point, like the turning point was that power play goal after the shorthanded goal because it just felt like that was the goal. And, you know, this, these, this previous stretch of where it's like, yep we're doomed right like it just you know the wiley on top like we're fragile like that felt like the goal that would shatter them, right and boldy and fiala as they do um hook up for the power play goal and um that place erupted and the place erupted for that goal too um and i think you know that energy that that goal brought to the x too i think after you know the rangers get two and all of a sudden the x kind of quiets down the energy gets sucked out and they bring it all back with that and then you get the Mm -hmm. you get the moose breakaway goal and him firing up the crowd after that kissing dumba <laughs> um, what sounds like it's been a, a practice play, and then of course to the cast of the play. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you get just the absolute the the five cheese marinara slow cooked sauce um, from Zuccarello to Fiala. Uh, I'm still trying to decide what was better, the sauce by Zuccarello or the fact that Kevin Fiala kind of like batted it out of the air, like was able to corral it 
and then still make a move and just go bard easy on the backhand. Like, oh. Yeah. Just just awesome. Um, it was great to see. It and, it, and it was the big names, right? You know, it was it was Felino, it was yep. Dumbo, it was Kaprizov, it was Bully, it was Fiala. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cam Talbot comes back, has you know, plays a good game. Um, it was great to see, you know, the big names step up and hopefully hopefully set this team um, back on the right track. Um, they've got um, coming up um, these next two games here, um, back-to-backs, Thursday, Friday. Um, Detroit, who just got shit-stomped um, by Arizona, who Oof. somehow has 17 goals in their last two games. Um, and then Columbus, who I think has been playing pretty good hockey as of late, but um, you know, certainly a chance for this team to continue to build on that momentum heading into a huge, huge, huge game on Sunday against Nashville. Um, which, of course, there should be some good energy in that building with uh, the Koivu retirement, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I do want to bring up <clears throat> Boston College ended up winning until their season is going to keep going. McBain assisted okay. and Warren assisted on the game winning goal. So trade value going up. Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. Yep. Clutch performer, 6 4. He's a yeah. center. Come on, Billy. Drive that price out, baby. Um, but. It always sucks trading a prospect too, because I think McBain's yeah, one that's kind of really grown on the three of yeah. us. As we've, you know, obviously you're watching BC for Boldy, but you know, watching these other three that are there with mm-hmm. Boldy and the breakout this year and the Team Canada appearance and all that, just it makes you want to root for the kid. And then you trade him, like, well, we're still gonna root for the kid, right? Um, but we're just hoping for our own sanity he doesn't turn into the next Alex Tuck. Um, which I don't. Which, for full disclosure, I don't, think, I, I don't think the ceiling is there know. for that. No. Um, but we've been wrong before. We'll see. But um, thanks for the update <laughs> on that, Justin. Um, yeah. Let's get into the final segment of the show. And I know we've, I think, done this kind of two other times. Um, you know, when Koibu played his last game, when they announced the jersey retirement. But this will be officially our last podcast before um, the jersey officially goes in the rafters. So I just want to revisit it one more time because I know Koivu has a has a special place, you know, kind of for all three of us. Um, Justin and I a little bit more so than Zeke, um, but still, I'm um, a very important player to to the three of us in this podcast. So um, other sports media outlets um, in the area maybe aren't as fond as Miko. So we're going to be the ones fond of him um, <laughs> and give him some love um, on the show tonight. Um, so I guess we'll just start here. Um, let's, let's just go right into stories, and then we can kind of just add some context if we need to. Um, Justin, we'll go to you first because obviously with a son named Miko, we know there's a there's a special connection. And just talk a little bit about um, just what Miko Koivu meant for you, and and just kind of what his jersey retirement means to even you as as you know a fan. You know, outside of Gabrick, he was. I mean, of course, he was the face of the franchise. Gabrick ended up being my first favorite mm-hmm. player on the Wild, but then he left, and it, it's just Koivu was always always good i mean god i can't even put my thoughts together right now but uh <laughs> man just my favorite player all around uh, from then on and and just so i mean played a thousand plus games with us uh so loyal that's the word i was looking for yeah, absolutely but, uh, just I loved watching him in the shootouts when, when shootouts became a thing. He just knew the move he was going to come up with. He was always going to do that deke in the backhand upper corner. Uh, just so many things about him made me fall in love with the Wild even more. And then, obviously, I named my son Miko. I, I mean, I remember the night he was born, we were playing Pittsburgh, uh, November 25th, 2016. And I mean, Koivu ended up getting an assist in that game. But I just remember that was the first game I got to watch with my son. And... Here he is. I named him Miko. I wasn't 
totally in the plans, but then it ended up being the forefront of his name. He just looked like Amico, and then just that's where the name came from, obviously. So you know, just really special player to me. Is uh awesome. is Miko Baki gonna wear number nine? Do you think, or is he, does Dad know, have a number he's gonna try to pass down? I don't know. I wore nineteen, but okay. I mean, you can find the own number he likes. He wears ten this year, but that was given to him, so mm-hmm. we'll see what number he falls in love with. If it's Dad's number or his own or Miko Koivu's, who knows? Yeah. So Saint Michael did this weird thing when we picked our jerseys. So we they did like a complete kind of rebrand of the association. So it was my second year. Mm-hmm. So. I had mites when I moved, and then when I transitioned to squirts, they did this whole rebrand thing where um, they had all the youth players. We bought a set of jerseys that were, like, far too big for us, and Mm -hmm. we were, like, basically drew a name out of a hat, and that was supposed to be a number, and we were supposed to have that number and wear that jersey from the time we were squirts all the way through Bantams, and I just happened to draw um, 22. Um, So that's the number I wore all through youth hockey, um, my brother had worn two his whole life, so it was kind of cool for me. Like, oh, big brother mm-hmm. wore two, little bro yeah. wears 22. Um, and then, um, of course, I grew up a, a massive Koivu fan. Um, he switches number to nine. And then um, I actually wore two my sophomore year of high school. Um, and then our captain who left after my sophomore year, who was number nine, um, that opened up number nine. I was able to wear that for my last two years. And then, of course, um, when I was a senior, I, I got to be a captain and, you know, being able to wear a nine with a C on it and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of feel a little bit like my idol was was super cool. Um, and then so if you're wondering where the uh, where the nine two comes in my bio, um, it's from nine and twenty two. Um, but, you know, if I had to, if I had to choose a hockey number now, it'd be ninety two just to kind of combine. Um, yeah. those two, which it still ticks me off. That's fucking Gabriel Landeskog's number. Um, it just, <laughs> it just twists a knife in my back every time I remember that. But um, yeah, that's a fun story about how I got my numbers. And if mm. you're ever wondering where the 92 yeah. my bio comes from or my Twitter at, that's that's where it comes from. So very cool, awesome, sweet. You know, for I don't know for me, like like you said, Brett. Uh, you know, obviously I'm younger than you guys. I don't have too many. You know. I guess stories per se, but I can remember too the first wild game I ever went to. I think it was you know like January 2011. My brother's hockey team at the oh, time you didn't have had to live tickets. Through I got the, the late yes 2000s. Lucky you. No, did not. So <laughs> it was yeah, it was right around then. Um, I think they're playing Vancouver that night. Uh, I don't I don't think he scored. I don't remember, but I do remember. Uh, you know, I just remember specifically. You know, someone asked. I think a parent of the team. They asked a bunch of the kids. You know, like usual, who's your favorite player or whatever, and. You know, he was one I picked mostly at that time because, you know, that was the name I saw everywhere. And yep. even though nine-year-old me or whatever I was didn't really, you know, I mean, I understood the game. I, I you know, I didn't really understand league, teams, players, all that. But that's the, that was the, he was the first name, first player that I actually knew who they were. Uh, I knew who, obviously, who Miko was even before that. Uh, and then, you know, I can also remember, uh, you know, obviously, like Justin said, the back, forehand, backhand, shootout move. That's, you know, it's classic for everybody. I mean, I saw that. In person once against LA in 2013 during that lockout shortened season, he scored one of the. The most goals ridiculous part moves. about that move is every goalie knew it was coming, and they still couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how oh, good it was, and, and it was perfect. It's just perfect right under the bar, yep. right over the glove. Blocker. So smooth, like, just just looks so great. And then I think the other one too, and I think yeah, it's gonna go for a lot of us. Obviously, it was the thousands game. You know, they came back late, tie it, then he scored a game-winning shootout goal in overtime at the exact move, and then was mobbed by basically the entire team. I think, you know, that was just, you know, for me, that's just the other one that, uh, you know, for all the, 
you know, as we've discussed before, all the crap he's gotten, I think, you know, that thousands game, that celebration, the way his teammates mobbed him, I think says a lot. And uh, I think uh, it's just kind of a good way of, you know, representing what he has, what he has and still does mean to, you know, this team players and the fans. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've seen my Miko story and I've touched on a little bit, just you know, the impact he had on me falling in love with hockey, wanting to be a center, wearing numbers and wanting to be a leader, all that inspired by Miko. So that aside, like my favorite playing memory of Miko Koivu. I don't remember when it, I think this would have been probably in 2014 because when the wild had Heatley um, instead of Gucci, um, I think right after that trade, um, they were in an overtime game against Detroit and um, a puck went to the corner. Nicholas Cronwall, um, is in pursuit with Miko Koivu, and Miko Koivu gives him gives Nicholas Cromwell, this guy known for huge hits. <laughs> he flattens Nicholas Cronwall with this reverse shoulder hit with his back to him. Flattens Cronwall. I think he injured him, but like totally clean. It was just a, like a an exploding backwards hit to the chest that just stunned Cronwall. Koivu takes the puck out of the corner, walks the slot and hit Setaguchi in the back door for the game winner. And to me, like, that goal is just the epitome of everything that was so underrated about Koivu. The way he did use his size, the way he could box out, you know, even some of the best defensive players in the league. Um, obviously, you've probably seen some of the tweets from myself and from Evolving Hockey about how prime Koivu from basically 2011 to 20, 2018, he was probably the second best defense, defensive player, defensive forward in the league, not named Patrice Bergeron. And just because he didn't put up the points um, was never really given the recognition that he deserved. Probably should have, in my opinion, won anywhere from probably two to five Selkie trophies or at least been in the top three, which he just never was. Um, and there's a lot of arguments against Koivu. Well, he never produced and, you know, he never led this team out of the playoffs. He only did X, Y, Z in the playoffs. He's not the GM. He doesn't pick the players that are, that are put around him. He, he, he does what he's dealt. And mm-hmm. Justin, we, we, you and I chuckled about the late 2000s when this team was dreadful. And Koivu somehow ended up, through all of that, being a plus player in Minnesota, which you think of all the bad seasons where, you know, he had to be the guy. And, um, you know, I think it says a lot when, you know, two former GMs, a GM from your national country and 20 former teammates, um, <clears throat> plus players and teammates, are going to be there for your jersey retirement. I think it just speaks to to just the character that Koivu has and the respect he has, you know, maybe not always the, the biggest talker, the flashiest guy, but you know, a, a stern leader um, and a guy that you want, if you know, a guy that'll get on your ass. I mean, I believe there was, I think when Kevin Fiala kind of won his very first like explosive scoring streak, I think it was after Koivu kind of pulled him aside on the bench, like do get your fucking shit together. And then all of a sudden Kevin Fiala took mm-hmm. off. Right. So mm-hmm. he's just that, that, that voice of, of reason that you sometimes needed. And, um, I'm gonna try not to cry on Sunday, but um, I, I can't. I can't guarantee that won't happen as I as I watch Nyan go there after. I'm I'm pretty pumped. Pretty pumped. A lot of the things now I do correlates with me and my kids. And uh, the other night, uh, I forgot what game it was. Miko was being interviewed during the intermission or talking to someone, and my son was in the room. I said, "That's Miko Koi. That's where your name came from." He said, "That's Miko too." <laughs> kind of like that. He's got the same name as me because it's not like a very popular name. So yeah. It was just kind of be able to, cool to be able to point out to him uh, that that's kind of where the uh, name idea came from, and uh, I mean, hopefully someday he gets to meet him. Honestly, I hope uh, I get to meet him. I still haven't got yeah. to either. Uh, there was a fan HQ autograph event the day before the pandemic canceled everything, mm-hmm. yeah. or it was one day late where it got canceled because of the pandemic, and we just we had tickets to go, and I was going to bring Miko, and 
it never happened. So, so hopefully someday that does happen again. But just it, it's cool to be able to point it out to him and be like, yeah, that's kind of – even though there's a Miko down the line in our family, we kind of use that as an excuse yep. too, a little bit. But it was just cool to be able to point it out to him because Absolutely. not a very popular name, yeah. <laughs> at least in the States. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I that – Oh, go ahead, Zeke. Uh, well, I was just going to say, I think just my last quick thought is that I just think it's, you know, just like you guys said, it's going to be really cool to see, you know, that number up there forever and just basically marking, you know, in a way, the first basically 20 years of the franchise. I mean, you know, he was the guy aside from Gabrick. He's who, you know, if you ask about the first 15 years of the Wild, he's who comes up and, you know, just to kind of have that one long night of recognition, you know, as we've kind of gone into that next history of this next part of this team i think you know like you guys said obviously it'll be really cool and special yeah for sure um pump for that that is sunday um 5 p.m ceremony um at the x live on both k fan as well as bally um so be sure to tune into that uh wild have detroit and columbus tomorrow and friday before that and then uh at home against boston next wednesday which means we'll be probably a thursday show next week um but we are running out of time here fellas so uh well, if you wrap up, Justin, where can everyone find you and your work? I mean, at DEast2004. You can find me at CaprizoFCO with the Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young, MNW Young Guns. <laughs> uh, as usual, uh, you can find, follow me on Twitter at ZekeBoyat, where you can find uh, you know, what I'm up to, what I'm talking about, wild stuff, pretty much anything. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at B underscore. Sh- wow. You can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Uh, be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and on Instagram at sound the foghorn, all one word. As I mentioned, Detroit, Columbus, Nashville, Boston on the docket for Minnesota before we record next and the Miko Koivu Jersey retirement on Sunday. And of course the state tournament um, taking place now through Saturday as well, and the NCAA tournament coming up um, toward the end of March, in addition to all that. So great time to be a hockey fan in Minnesota. We'll keep you posted on everything going on with all of that. But um, that's it for today's show. So this has been another episode of Sound the Fog. Sound the Fog.